I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined in this very special edition of the show for the first time in literal years. I, I'm like, I'm talking a long time ago that we were able to do this. Um, I am joined by Harrison Fagan and his coach dad, Pete Zayas. Harrison <laughs> joins us of SB Nation. Pete joins us of uh, the LFR pod. Both of you were formerly co-hosts on Locked on Lakers back when I was doing that. I am thrilled for this podcast. I cannot possibly overstate how excited I am to do this. And, and, and for it to come on a very special day is, is also, you know, it's pretty fitting. Every year this, this comes, it's a big day in the Irwin household. Every single year, you know, you wake up in the morning and the kids run and, and jump on you and they scream at the top of their lungs Daddy, 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 it's NBA Eve. The NBA comes back tomorrow. (laughs) I thought you were going to say city edition release day. The kids are just, they're really hyped. (laughs) No, I wish they would. I I wish it would actually release the city jerseys like into the sun. Just fire them all off there. I have no idea why. Release a player, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh, the city edition jerseys have been released per woe, you know. Nike has requested rate waivers on the city edition jerseys. Yes, that would be great. Um, I'm going to get out of the way. Harrison, how are you holding up? You ready? You like we, we, the the offseason is finally officially basically over. Yeah, no, I, I just at first I, I just want to say I, I appreciate uh, Pete dropping his restraining order to do this podcast, and uh, <laughs> Anthony, I'm I, I appreciate you doing this on such a special day for you. It's it's your birthday. I just you know, forty five has never looked better, and uh, <laughs> I think it has. Yeah, excited to be here. Like you, you look at some of the other, <laughs> you look at some of the other forty five year olds. I think they look a little better than I do. I saw it's Ryan Reynolds' birthday today, and they're like, he's forty nine, and I was like, oh. Wow, he looks younger than me. <laughs> Do I share a birthday with Ryan, with Ryan Reynolds? I had no idea. Apparently so. Yeah. I, I to this day I thought I think this is still the case, but the most famous person I shared a birthday with was uh Weird Al Yankovic. Like that was the one I was most proud of. Um Pete, how are you holding up, man? You you I I feel like of the three of us, you are probably the most excited for for the events that will come in, you know, roughly 24 hours or so. <laughs> well, first, happy birthday. Um, and uh, yeah, man, no, I'm super excited about this season. I think it's the most anticipated one since that first year that we got AD, you know, um, the after the championship, the the uh, 
21 season everybody was so tired and it was like oh crap the season's starting already you know and then uh you know the next season was like okay we'll see how this works with after the rust trade and whatnot and we saw how that happened and then but this year guys it's like you know a lot of optimism in the air a lot of could be but a, a lot of work ahead to get to where we want to go and boy oh boy denver nuggets on opening night right the nba uh certainly has a sense of humor <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's got to be LeBron's what, like, like fifteenth ring night in his twenty-one year career or something yeah, between all of them. Like, <laughs> the ones that he didn't win, he has to play that team every year. I um, do feel like that's happened a lot. Yeah, no, it makes sense. He's been there. He's been the NBA's biggest draw for the entirety of his career. But um, Pete, you mentioned the optimism, and and I share a lot of that optimism as well. And and you guys will hear that over the course of this episode, but. At the behest, and 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 uh, one of our listens, JD, um, gave me the idea for a, a segment that I think will prove very fruitful here by the end of the show. And over the course of the show, Harrison, Pete, I need you guys to to come up with the thing that you think I will get just unnecessarily annoyed at by the end of the year, and how quickly that will actually transpire. So, <laughs> over the course of the show, maybe maybe think about that. If you're in the comment section. Let us know uh, what your theory on that might be. Um, again, a reminder to everybody, hit subscribe on YouTube, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, all of that good stuff. Get your five-star reviews, uh, those topics in as soon as possible so that we can uh, read them. I will get to them tonight for the lowdown in preparation for uh, tomorrow night's opener. And, um, you know, I, want, I, I do want to start with the Nuggets thing because, Pete, I think, I think you and I see pretty eye to eye on this um in like the amounts of shit that they have talked and they have deserved the they, they deserve the opportunity uh to talk all their shit they won the championship they are the reigning champs they get to talk as much as they want um that said i think the lakers also reserve the right to respond however they want and frankly the way that they respond in these matchups is gonna kind of define a big chunk of their season so like what what do you think about the 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 quote-unquote rivalry or relationship here between the nuggets and lakers now that each team has knocked each other out of the western conference and route to a championship now um over the last few years i i that's this is honestly the thing i am most excited about this season yeah i think it's a, a great budding rivalry we've had these sort of um you know, obviously the Celtics are the across all times and eras, but like the Kings rivalry was great. You know, the we had a, a blip with the Spurs for, you know, where we were both concurrently good. And uh, they don't always last until I don't think, you know, Laker fans right now are super like, ah, oh, I hate the Spurs unless you're a certain age. Right. But uh, they're fun when they kind of rise out of the actual basketball, like you were saying, Anthony. And that's what's happened since 2020. Yeah. And both teams after 2020 had a certain degree of injury issues and obviously Denver had a lot more continuity and made some solid moves along the way, but they got all of their guys last year and got their feet underneath them. And they had an awesome run, a 16 and four record to the championship. Like we had a 16 and five record in 2020, like really dominant runs. And so I would love for there to be a round three Harrison, you know, like between these two teams. Um, and I'm super curious to see what a kind of different Lakers team looks like uh, matched up against the Nuggets this year. 
And I just want to add that to your point about these like little rivalries sort of popping up, like there was sort of the thing, you know, the clip that maybe all of us are most famous for was that brief one with the Clippers that never really played out on the court. It just played out on billboards across Los Angeles. But it's also always funny to me that, you know, the, the Lakers are the, you said that for Lakers fans, like they don't necessarily hate the Spurs for that sort of mini rivalry, you know, what was it, 15, 18-ish years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, 10 years ago in some ways. Uh, it, Lakers fans may not feel that way, but like every team that the Lakers have had it with, that's exactly. still, like the Lakers are still their number one arch yeah. enemy. They're like, they, absolutely it's, it's Mad Men gif. That like, struck I just you. <laughs> that struck me about the uh, the Denver response. I remember doing the LFR pod as, as they were finishing that series. And I was like, tally-ho, good chaps. Well-played series. You're the better team. Go win the championship, right? And they're on the other... On the other end, like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck the Lakers. Ah, right? <laughs> right. Just like, like the energy totally at the end of Return of the Jedi, they have like our decapitated heads by the fire, yeah. and they're like <laughs> pounding on them with drumsticks. Like, and and it didn't occur to me until they had that response, and then I thought about it, and then exactly what you said, Harris, and it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They would like lost the seven series against us before then, you know. So like their energy for us was just in a totally different place than ours. Yeah, I I love that sentiment because. Look, after after the sweep, it was just kind of like you lick your wounds, you kind of move on or whatever. And then when they did win their first championship, and and I'm not gonna lie, like I have some friends who cover the team and 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 who care about that team. Um, so I like I was trying to be really gracious for a really long time, and then they talked enough shit that now I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, fuck you. I was so, I was so happy for you guys, and then and then it was just like, and then what was it the 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 one dude called uh mike malone lakers daddy or something like that I'm yeah like, vic lombardi the the nugget too far play by play guy. yeah <laughs> I, I the moment where it clicked for me i couldn't believe that the dnvr guys put a life-size poster of you up and used it as a dartboard at the bar that was unbelievable <laughs> and just that it's it, it you know that disrespectful yeah, that was that. I, I you know, I, I talked to Adam about that. I said, just like, look, you could do anything, just, just not my face. Like, just you know, you could. Harrison's head, I feel like, is a lot more bullseye-ish than than mine. But I, I guess <laughs> the big target. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I let's let's talk about the actual Lakers though, and and uh, why we are optimistic in the way that they are, because you know, it was something that I I realized in preparation for the show. I just have kept on saying, oh, my God, they're good. Oh, my God, they're good. Oh, my God, they're good. And, 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 and you know, on some occasions, obviously, dove a little deeper into why I feel that way. But, but Harrison, what's like your – when you look at this team, what's your greatest source of optimism for it? Like what, like what is the thing that you kind of lean – you lean into and you say like, all right, if the Lakers are going to be the kind of good that, that I think that they are going to be um, – what would be the number reason for that? I think for me, it's just that this is the first year in at least two seasons. I, I think the three seasons ago, they had, they had a pretty good idea when they were coming off the title, how they were going to play and stuff like that. But I think that this season is a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways, just because it's the first one in a while where there are zero questions about how the starting lineup fits together and how much, how the continuity is going to work and sort of what this team is good at for the most part. You know, there may be things with some of the new additions that they get better at or that they get worse at or whatever, but overall, you know, how the Lakers are going to attack you, how they're going to play defense, 
you know, there aren't a ton of huge question marks about how sort of their best players fit together. Like, you know, even if, you know, I think as Pete and I were, you know, I, even if you were an optimist about the Russ trade or, you know, you were a huge pessimist about it, there were huge questions about how that was going to work the last two mm -hmm. years. And this year, there's just almost none of that. Like, you know, you can have questions about D'Angelo Russell as a playoff player or, you know, any of his foibles. You can wonder how much better is Austin Reeves going to get? What kind of steps can he take this year? All of that stuff. How long can LeBron last? But there's no doubt about when those four guys are on the court. And to be honest, with Torian Prince looking pretty good as the fifth starter, just sort of how that unit, when it's all healthy and when it's all looking, is going to be its best. Yeah, I could tell that the team is going to be pretty good because of the things that like I'm noticing our conversations on Twitter, right? There just there isn't like the heated conversation. The most heated I think things have gotten is as it pertains to the Lakers fifth starter. I have come around to um and came around fairly quickly to the idea of Torian Prince being the fifth starter. Initially, I thought it was going to be Rui because of the extension, because of what we saw in the playoffs. Um and if it wasn't going to be Rui, I thought it would be Vanderbilt because of the defense and, and all that stuff. Pete, where, where do you land on that? Where do you land on the fifth starter? So I'm, I'm, I really like the Prince fit I, and it's really more about fit than anything else. He's a professional yeah. off ball player. And so he's a, a good shooter that can attack closeouts that knows when to curl, when to pop out behind the three point line. And so it's sort of this missing piece more than it is like an individual evaluation of him as a player versus Rui as a player versus Vando as a player. It's like, how do you fit on, on both ends? Now I am curious and this Denver game is going to be a great test of this, the level of physicality that that starting unit can get to, right? Like mm -hmm. I, Denver is a team that can attack in transition. They can attack you on the glass. Lord knows that Jokic requires more than one person to, to, to handle and so can that unit be physical enough to to defend and, and to not give up points around the rim we'll see I mean having Anthony Davis is a great start to have some degree of of protection around the hoop um but I think they're going to score a ton of points so yeah I'm, I'm I really like the Prince idea because I think he fits that unit in particular yeah I just like the idea and I've I've made this analogy now a few times over but I like the idea of the starting group being you know, very hyper efficient in the half court. They execute their asses off mm -hmm. the, you, you know, there's a bunch of there, like, isn't a bad offensive option out there, right? Whether it's D'Angelo Russell in the pick and roll, Austin Reeves in the pick and roll, that LeBron guy. And then the ball finds occasionally uh Torian Prince wide open for three. And, oh yeah, there's that pterodactyl who can basically finish anything at the rim and, and appears confident in taking his jumpers this year. That, that starting group is going to be really difficult to defend. And then I also like the idea when you look at Gabe Vincent, when you look at, you know, maybe Max Christie spends some time with that second unit, Rui, Vanderbilt, um, and especially Jackson Hayes, if, if, he gets, if he gets some minutes in there. But I, I like the idea of hyper-efficient offensive team, super professional over here, and then yeah. Absolute chaos with the second group, you know, defend their asses off, get out in transition and, and speed up the game uh, to keep the other team on their toes. I like that idea with 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 the interchangeability of, of that. And then, you know, obviously, sometimes you'll have starters playing with whatever unit and that I that those lineups will have their own identity as well. But but Harrison, do you like the idea of like the the Athenians in, in 300? who just come in and, and occasionally stab each other because it's kind of like, it's so chaotic, <laughs> but it, it kind of works out. 
I, I I gotta say I appreciate you using a historical reference for Pete. He doesn't watch like a lot of movies, <laughs> and you know it's a, it's a, it's a little bit like Raj, you know. Um, hey, you, and, you uh, know so. you know Anthony got that historical reference from a movie though. Yes, that's true, yeah. but you still got it because it's a historical <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do have to say I enjoy the idea of chaos as a positive descriptor after so much of the last two years. Again, I you know I hate to keep taking it back to that, but it's yeah. also you know we're we're previewing a new season and it's just you yeah. know it, it's fun how the language has sort of changed meanings and yeah I mean I think that there is a little bit of concern to me about the bench just given sort of the way that we've watched it operate during the preseason you know there's the there's only one ball is like such a tired sort of comp uh complaint about how star duos are going to fit together but with this bench it might be a legitimate complaint given sort of the way that we've seen Rui and Christian Wood seem to have the greenest of green lights and may actually like Will Smith and Carlton like brawl each other for the ball at some point you know <laughs> <laughs> in one of these second units and how much they sort of want to go cook and have been told that that is their thing to go do. So, I mean, there's a little bit of concern to me just with how those units are going to score on some nights. I think it's going to look really bad, but I also think that there's a lot of talent there. And I think that, you know, as guys sort of start to lock in more for the season and, you know, take the basketball, I think a little bit more seriously, that some of that will get better. And I think there are a lot of nights where, like you said, that chaos is going to look good, where they're going to, you know, the, the other team can't figure out what they're going to do because they don't necessarily know. And, uh, you know, I, I yeah. think that having the starters with those guys more also, you know, sort of as part of those staggered units, it's not yeah. going to be hockey subs is going to help a lot in that respect, because it's one thing for Rui or Christian Wood to be like, I am shooting every single time I touch the ball, you know, when it's an all bench group out there in a preseason game in Palm Springs, but it's another thing for them to try and do that with LeBron on the floor with them. Yeah. Um, and so I think some of that is going to get better as the, just as the game start to count. And I think there's some of that gets alleviated when they have more organizing forces on the floor. Like that bench group, uh, I, that bench group uh, with Wood and Rui in the last game got outscored 50 to 17 in like 50, 15 and a half minutes <laughs> in the last Lord. game. And, but for most of that time, Cam Reddish was the, Cam Reddish player. was the initiator. You know what I'm saying? And so <laughs> in that group with LeBron, it's LeBron that's deciding where the ball goes. And that to me is where Rui and Wood are going to be at their best is where they're pure finishers, where it's LeBron, D'Lo, Gabe Vincent, Austin, that are deciding kind of the initial action. And then the ball just gets swung to them in a position where it's like, take the shot, you know, but I have a similar concern though, Harrison, in that I do think that that sort of mentality can kind of get fostered in individual guys where they start kind of going off and doing their own thing a little too much. And sometimes that's going to be Rui on a one-on-three sprinting up the sidelines. And he's like, should I go for it or should I pull it back? And this preseason it's been go for it every time. And that's part of what the preseason is for. Right. But you can't, like totally resolve that issue by just having like, Oh, LeBron will handle the ball or Austin will handle the ball. There is going to have to be some of that, like swing the ball and execute that the starting unit, I think is going to have a lot of where we're, I don't think Anthony, we can change totally, you know, mid game or halfway through the first quarter in terms of the type of team that, that we are. Although I do appreciate the point about the chaos. Let's just make sure it's wrangled and, pointed in the yeah. right direction you know it's like like small doses of chaos occasionally yes. controlled yes. chaos yes. you yeah. know yeah. yeah so not not chaos <laughs> <laughs> i i, I want to ask you pete about Rui because um he's the one 
guy that I have had expectations for who I have wanted to see more from in the preseason, right? And and it wasn't because of injuries. I think some of it is because of the way that he's being used. I think some of it is because of like just kind of who he is as a player and he's trying to figure out like how to fit with and, and fit and mesh with different units and his kind of de facto approach is well I'll just score my way through stuff and 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 operate as a re- release valve. But I, I, I feel like with this preseason, the way that he was being utilized was like too much of the release valve. He just wasn't really a big enough part. I thought of some of the sets or some of the, the, the actual system. Um, have you seen, did you notice any of that with Rui? Cause I, it, yeah. it was, it was the kind of thing that I just, I, 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 I kept bumping on it. I, I kept hoping to see him in some kind of a, a, a dribble handoff or setting a screen for somebody or something like that, where he was kind of standing in the quarter waiting for the shot clock to get to seven seconds. And then he would be able to go to work. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, this is, he may be, he may be the player that's impacted negatively the most offensively by the offense switch. Um, The five out style is a lot more ball and player movement and it's a lot more read and react whereas four out is more you have wider driving lanes to the basket and so Rui being primarily primarily an off-ball player in a four out is a very simple like shoot the three or pump fake and drive to the basket and if somebody's in the way make that nice pull-up jumper and so there's been some of that this preseason where he'll start um in the left corner he's a very right hand dominant player and Mm -hmm. so starting him out in the left corner kind of most of his attacks will go uh, to the right. And so a lot of those handoffs that are going from AD or Hayes at the top of the key that, you know, flow into a handoff, he's had some pull-ups and some drives to the rack off of that, that I think that that will come in time. And that to me is part of the start of this season for me, guys, is that like, not everything is going to be solved right away or not every mm-hmm. plan. Cause basket, there's so many facets to basketball where it's like, you can get 95% of the stuff, right from jump and then still have a hundred things to work on in the other 5%, you know? And so there's, I think there is going to be a certain amount of an adjustment process. I think the coaches would probably say, so long as 
Rui's defending and rebounding that he'll be okay. He's such a threat as a three-level scorer that it'll get figured out. But that, that I think is part of the process of the early part of this season is a guy like Rui, Rui being like, okay, what are my five-out reads from my spot versus the four-out yeah. reads? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not so far concerned that I don't think it's solvable. And, and, and at the end of the day, like, I think on this team, um, and as part of the Lakers culture, like talent just kind of wins out. Right. And I, I think that's why they've had the amount of success in, you know, developing younger guys or finding guys who maybe, you know, weren't, didn't look as good in other situations and they come here and, and, and they tend to look a little bit better. Some of that's Phil Handy. Some of that is the entire development staff. But I think also there's this culture of, you know, uh, it, it's the counter to um, Paul Westhead in, in in the Winning Time series, right? Where everything was so system based, and the system comes before all of the talent. And and I think in this case, it's more it's more, and and that's kind of why I'm excited for the five out approach here, where it is a lot more talent based. Let's just let's just see how we can get the most talented guys involved together the most often. And, and that's why I think eventually, even though I think Torian Prince is a better fit to start games, I do hope to see Rui closing them. Um, and, and a big part of that will be how he, how he figures some of this stuff out. Harrison, here's, here's my like number one question going into the season. And I, I, I don't think there's any way to feel any kind of definitive on this, but you know, Darvin Ham had, I think, one of the weirdest rookie head coaching seasons ever. Boy, I, it's got to be I, up I, there, I make right? This point too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could have gone so much worse than it did. Oh my like, god! I don't think we appreciate Maybe it's that. not the weirdest. You know, like I'd have to really dive back into NBA history. I'm sure there were weirder ones in the early days of the league and stuff. I mean, the way Paul, the, the way Paul Westhead got his job was pretty yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But I. He is certainly among the most experienced second year head coaches, I would say, ever. And <laughs> he saw a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, just I think, think he even made that joke that he saw everything his, his rookie <laughs> <Yeah>. season. <laughs> Darvin, Ham, Darvin Ham, who like famously got shot as a kid, comes out of that season like, I saw some shit. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, it's a good thing. It was a good lifestyle choice on his part to go bald before last season because we would have we would have seen it falling out. You know, maybe he would have regrown on the uh, during the yeah, playoff he grew run. His like hair back to again. lose it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Harrison, how confident are you and Darvin going into the season? Because you know, I thought we saw some really good stuff. I think the way that he kept everybody invested throughout the season was a bit of a miracle, frankly. Um, and, and and position them in a spot where they could take off once the roster made more sense. But we also had some stretches where while the roster didn't make as much sense, I don't think he necessarily helped it all that much with all this, the, the, the tiny little guard lineups. Um, so I, I'm mostly confident in him, but where, where do you stand on, on him heading into this year? I'm pretty confident in him. And I think that you hit on the exact reason why in terms of how he kept everyone engaged during what was, you know, a, a like w with all due respect to how Paul Westfall got his job, like a car wreck of a season, you know, and there was not a bike wreck. A, like was, yeah, there, <laughs> yeah, I guess it would have been a bike wreck. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was quite 
it, it was just one of the strangest seasons I've ever covered, you know, been around just in terms oh, yeah. of, because normally if things go that badly, they don't automatically, they don't turn around anywhere near to that degree at midseason. Now, maybe you make a trade, you like kind of fight your way in. It's like, you know, like your cute eight seed that, you know, t- takes the defending champs or the number one seed or whatever to one game or to five games or something like that. And you make that level of improvement, but you don't normally go from a team that was, honestly terrible for a a decent chunk of last season and to start the season to go all the way to the conference finals and the way that he kept everyone bought in during that I think it's sort of the most important job of a head coach you know that is the stuff to me that is not replaceable you know like almost all of these guys know x's and o's you know pretty much everyone that reaches a head coaching job knows x's and o's pretty well there's a bunch of assistants that you can get to know x's and o's I'm not trying to downplay that a whole lot with coach Pete on the pod. It is important, but a lot of guys, a lot of NBA coaches, you know, they have some level of mastery at that. Certainly more than any of us could ever hope to glean, mm-hmm. but the ability well, for to Byron, different, but yeah, <laughs> the ability to keep different personalities, you know, bought in over the course of that season. And to even have a guy like Lonnie Walker, where he was completely out of the rotation, be able to come in and he ready to make an impact, you know, during that playoff mm-hmm. series, I think is a testament to how ham sort of, you know, everybody wanted to play hard for him. And I think that that is one of the most important qualities that you can have as a head coach. I agree that that's the, that is the most important quality a head coach can have. I also think that in both seasons, he aligned his system to the talent. And so that was kind of to your point earlier, Anthony, about the supremacy of the system in a different type of mindset, but, and then the talent having to fit into that talent still needs a system, even if you prioritize that talent. And I think that that's part of my optimism going into this season, Anthony, is I had two things I wanted to see from, I was hoping to see from Darvin and I wasn't sure if, if he'd do either of them, uh, and one was the switch to, to five out. I thought it was more conducive to our like pass shoot dribble type of personnel. And I'd been saying this all, all summer. And so the fact that he did that, I was really stoked about. And then just sizing up in terms of lineups, uh, that proclivity to go smaller, I think, especially seeing it this preseason, I think he was trying to get enough shooting on the floor to be able to yeah. run what he Where's wanted to run. Like- sure. For sure. All of their talent was in small people. Like it was just, and, you know. And I, I get that. But there's also a tipping point where you are too yeah. small to, like, the other team can just spam something ridiculous because, like, Pat Bev is guarding Jimmy Butler, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never forget. Oof. Pat Bev, starting three. <laughs> he nah. was a small forward. Like, I've made yeah, that joke was, before. He was a yeah. very small forward. But yeah, I, the Austin I, Reeves at center lineup will live in infamy forever. Yeah. Even though it was only for like two minutes of a game they were probably gonna lose anyway. But yeah. But I I I think to your point though, Pete, like the thing that the thing that showed there to me was um like I don't think there was a solution to that situation, right? I don't know if anybody, any coach could have stepped up there and offered a fix to the roster at the beginning of last year. Oh, I thought uh, that that was the like, if not the optimized version version, it was close to it. Like for talking about all the small lineups and things like that, that could have gone, gone so much worse than it did. He, that sort of, he built an offense even, even compared to the year before where we had like Carmelo Anthony and Malik Monk, there was at least some degree of counter gravity on the perimeter of guys you had to guard. We had none of that to start the season. Yeah. That's why, like, oh, Matt Ryan is playing in our rotation on opening night, right? <laughs> and so he was—he built an offense where it was like, 
All right, we've got to get to the rim. And so it shows up in all these statistical ways that people bitch about. Like, it's like, oh, Lakers led the league in free throw attempts. That was 100% by strategy that they ran all these different four out ball screen type of combinations where it was like, I know I got to drive to the basket. You know, I got to drive to the basket and we're going to find a way to do it, even though everybody knows what we got to do to even have a chance. And so like coaching like that is actually really hard and that can go really, really wrong, like way more wrong than it did last season. So yeah, it could have been much worse than it was. It's like, Hey guys, you know, you got, you got to maintain a certain level of buy-in to just be like, Hey guys, you just got to catapult yourselves at the rim again. Tonight. <laughs> That's Sorry. right. I know that I know that there's going to be like five guys there. You just yep. you have to just run at full speed and throw yourself towards them and, you know, try and make the ball go in. But like, let's see if we can get free throws. But yeah, just like head first, you know, I, I, yeah, I, know. I just we'll, picture we'll that like, ice baths ready after the game. Remember when we were kids and like every any time a cartoon character like bumped their head that like bandage like the x bandage would pop up on their yeah. forehead or something yeah, yeah. like that like i just picture ham in the locker room where everybody and that he's talking to has a whole bunch of those x bandages <laughs> all over their face like they look like hey guys we need, squad we need to keep the going. first half of space jam just like. <laughs> um but yeah no pete like that, that's a version of the point i guess i was trying to make is that i think that like him him finding at least even though there wasn't an opt like there was no version of that team that was going to make sense, but he like tried to find a solution that, that, you know, at least maintained some buy-in there. Um, you know, that gives me the optimism for this year, right? Is, is that like, well, we, and, and, and also as soon as the roster made some sense, the, the, the coaching magically improved, right? Like it was, it was, a, it was a group that made sense. And all of a sudden, like, holy crap, like it, it turns out, uh, if you give Darvin Ham decent players, then then you'll get some decent results there. So, um, I I I have some some questions about like, you know, I know that he likes to play kind of a longer um, rotation in the regular season, and that can sometimes lead to five bench guy units, and and I don't necessarily think that would be the best thing for for this team. Um, but like he also has a reason for doing that, right? Those, those minutes might be kind of frustrating while we're watching them and are probably not going to be great when we look at the end of the year at like total net ratings and stuff like that with those lineups. But the point is maintaining buy-in from guys at the end of that rotation so that when that time comes that Lonnie Walker needs to step up in that series. Shit. Remember Rui, Rui wasn't in the rotation um, as much at the end of the year. Right. And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he steps up and becomes a very important playoff player. And, and it was because um, in part, Dar- whether it was behind closed doors, Darvin makes, making sure to say, Hey, we, we, we're going to need you at some point. We're going to need you at some point. And that's something that not a lot of coach, lot, not every coach does is to like really check in and make sure that a player feels like they are still needed, even though they aren't in the rotation or it's in those reps that they, that, that, whichever player it was got over the course of the season that maybe in the moment didn't make a whole bunch of sense, but does wind up paying dividends later in the year when that player steps up in, and to us comes kind of out of nowhere, but to a coaching staff that has as much trust in those players didn't right. That was always what ham always said when, when he would be asked about, can you believe what you got out of Lonnie? Fuck? Yeah. I could believe what I got out of Lonnie. Like, yeah, that's, do you see that guy? Do you see how talented that guy is? 
Um, that's the kind of stuff that, that, and, and, and I also think like Pete, if you, it, it, I'll let you speak on this too, um, and go a little more in depth on like the, the X's and O's thing. Cause a lot of time with black head coaches, you get like the, you know, he maintains player belief. Oh yeah. He's, he's a the, player's, the player's coach, coach right? and yeah. all that stuff. Couldn't right? be, but, couldn't know shit about X's and O's though. Right. But like one thing that really he's struck me over really the, good. Over, yep. yeah, like over the course of the preseason, the Lakers were generating so many clean looks. It was yep. It was striking. So, like, what have you seen there? Like, where has he drawn the most success there? Well, that's what I'm talking about with the the lineup switch, right? And the, yeah. the scheme switch from the four out to the five out. It's that, like, you, for example, all the empty side pick and rolls that we're running. Teams like to switch a lot of stuff and setting a step-up screen setting a step up screen and having Jackson Hayes bounce off that and roll to the rim. Like, hey, you've got a you've got an alley-oop opportunity, right? All of the delays and delay Chicago handoffs into the corners and whatnot. And like, even, even within the course of the playoffs, right? Like our ATOs are good. Like that's the thing I don't think people appreciate enough about, about Darvin is that he is kind of an, a, kind of a basketball nerd. Um, yeah. And all of the minutia of that stuff. It's not just the, Oh, I'm gonna put my arm around a guy and tell him I really believe in you and all that. And yeah. that stuff's not just important. It's the most important thing, the buy-in of course. Right. But that below that, this is a guy whose basketball journey has taken him all over the world. And when he was a player, he wasn't that like, he wasn't a point guard, like, oh yeah, that guy's going to be a coach. Like Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd, when they were playing, we're like, yeah, that guy's going to be a coach. Darwin wasn't that one of those type of guys, but he was in all sorts of corners of the basketball world that were not, you know, big arenas with loud screaming fans and he learned a little bit along the way and and uh and he learned a little bit at every stop along the way and that has added up to this really like again the switch in the scheme and the the sizing up of lineups going against what i thought his proclivities were last year like that's not easy for a coach to do it's very easy for a coach to get set in their ways and so you have to have a really diverse like kind of basketball education to be able to be like oh this team is this thing and then this next year's team is actually kind of the opposite thing in some ways, Harrison. And so that ability to recognize that within the X's and O's too, I think is, is super impressive. And so I'm excited about, about Darvin. I do think he's going to have a bit of a longer, longer rope in terms of trying to figure out who those 11 guys are. Right. And that might piss yeah. us off at sometimes uh, to answer your question from earlier, Anthony, I do think that there's going to be some lineup stuff where we're like, Oh, this guy's still playing. You know, why is Cam <laughs> Reddish the four? <laughs> no, I will be mad at that. Like, I think we have a right to be mad at that if we if we have Cam Reddish at the four minutes. <laughs> um, I all right. I, no, I want to. Can I, I wanna, just can I add yeah. really quickly just on to no, carry over? No, Pete? we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Pete pointed out the X's and O's and that stuff being really good, but I also I thought that he pressed pretty much every right button during the playoffs in terms of yep. adjustments, not just like schematically, but okay, this is a series where this guy needs to play more this kind of thing. You know, there was sort of to some degree, I think he caught some flack during the nugget series for not going to the Rui adjustment sooner and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But people I think underestimate, that's a really hard thing to just like bench D'Angelo Russell going into his free agency. I know it's the playoffs and yeah. whatever, but even with this guy all year, he's undoubtedly one of your most talented players, even if it's not showing through in that series, it's hard to just give up on him. Like this is not, just 2k well and to, I thought, to be fair to be fair harrison the Rui sub would have been for vando because yes, Rui started true. game four right and that and whereas vando started the first three games sorry yes that was more no, the shrewder okay. the shrewder thing like shrewder. getting more shrewder yeah. and, and less or no yeah sorry um 
but anyway, I, I just thought like going to even going to the Rui adjustment on, you know, again, shout out to Mike Malone, um, but going to the Rui adjustment that got so much press and whatever, like I thought that that was probably the best thing the Lakers could have done in that situation. And it didn't work out, but it was probably the best strategy they could have gone to. I thought that some of the lineup shifts during the Golden State series, oh, during yeah. the Memphis series, like yeah. I thought that he pressed pretty much every right adjustment button that you would want him to even beyond some of the scheme stuff. And was aided really in, in the results of those buttons, right? It's one thing to like do the process thing and, and you could see what goes into some of those decisions made, but then for to, to for those moves to pay the dividends that they did, right? The Lonnie Walker, the fourth quarter, you know, all, all that stuff was, was pretty incredible to watch. Um, at the end of the day, though, with this team, it is going to come down to what version of LeBron James are they going to get over the course of the year? What version of Anthony Davis are they going to get over the course of the year? And, um, you know, I, I said it on the show it, last night on the lowdown, and it sounds a lot more uh, ridiculous, not ridiculous, but it, it sounds a lot louder than, than, than it really should. But I said that, like, I don't think LeBron can be the best player on a championship team anymore. He's 39 years old, right? Um and and I think this is really going to be the year. <laughs> this is this really like I, I I like if you think of it like a relay race, right? Where you know the 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 guy who's getting there, the person who's getting the baton, has to start running, and and you have that baton pass that happens at speed, you know. And I've just kind of joked that with this, LeBron has been like had to run an extra four hundred meters to get the to get to the baton to to AD. Who I think, though, like when you look at the stuff that he's saying coming into this year, um, him like being confident enough to say, yeah, I heard the stuff that the Nuggets were saying about us. Yeah, I, I want to respond to that on the court. Um, you combine that with the way that he looks, where I think he looks a lot trimmer and and I think he looks uh, a lot more explosive and stuff. And, and um, you know, I think those things and then the way that he's shooting the ball and, and how confident he looks there and how much more consistent the release looks all the way through uh, the, the, the shot attempt. Um, Harrison, like, what do you, what are you expecting? Like, where do your expectations sit for LeBron and AD? Or do you like, do you think we're getting another one of these years where, you know, LeBron kind of watches AD over the course of the year and, and at the end of the year kind of goes, all right, I'll, I'll do this myself. Right. Where he plays 47 minutes and 38 seconds in the, in the, in the last game of the year. I, I, I think for this team to really have a, a, a legit championship shot, AD is going to have to be, you know, special AD um, more consistently. I thought than he was in, in last year's playoffs. Do you think, do you think he has that? Do you think he, do you think this is finally the year that AD, the, you know, steps into that role in this organization? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I do, and I do want to push back on the LeBron part of that a little bit just because I think to answer that part of the question, I think LeBron is always going to push that button yeah. when his yeah. back is against the wall. You know, like that mm-hmm. is that has been his entire basketball life. I, I think at some point it's not going to be there for him. I think we started to see some of that in the second half last year where he just did not have his legs under him after just dominating the entire first half and playing basically every second, I think, except for I think the one minute he sat was in the first half, right? If I'm remembering correctly, of uh of that game but yeah. it doesn't matter yeah um mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think ad has that in him i think we saw that during the bubble the, the title year frankly that he there were games where ad was the best player on the court in my opinion yep. i was ready through i think one or two finals games to vote i didn't have a vote but my imaginary vote would have gone to him for finals mvp at that point and then lebron really stepped up and sort of pushed them over the finish line in that series but just the way that AD can impact the game on both ends, you know, we've seen how good he can be when he has some level of defensive support. We saw that during the title year. I think he has a little bit more of that this season than he did in the past. And, you know, again, a lot of this is going to depend on health. I know that that's a cop-out, but last year, you know, he was fairly banged up by the end of that run. And I think that you could see some of that during his play. And if he can make it through and be reasonably healthy going into the playoffs, I, I totally believe that he can be the best player on a title team it's just you know that has been the exception rather than the rule so I think there's some reason to doubt whether or not that is going to happen but I think that if it does happen yeah I have I have no doubt that AD can be that guy AD is also in that role of being that guy it's going to look different than it does as a lead ball handler type right yeah some on some nights like when he said you know he wasn't special in the playoffs I was like he blocked more shots than anybody in the NBA in the last 12 years in the postseason this past Anthony year. Oh, I didn't, I didn't say he, I didn't say he wasn't special. I just, I, I like, there were, there was, there was some consistency stuff there, right? On, like, on offense in particular, right? Yeah. Like, but mm-hmm. he's like, and that's the point that I'm making in terms of like, what is an Anthony Davis as the best player on a championship team look like? I think it starts on the defensive end and mm-hmm. is being a guy that can like similar to the, to Dwight on the old Orlando magic teams where it's like you got all this skill around him and this dude is in charge of all of your stuff in the paint now AD has a more diverse defensive type of presence and he's not the mountainous human being that that Dwight was in the same respect right but it's his dominance is going to start on the defensive end and then on offense I keep going back to the five out point he's the guy at the top of the key in the five out he's literally in the middle of it as opposed to last year he was basically a role guy he was the guy with all the X's and Band-Aids on his forehead, Anthony, <laughs> more than anybody. Because they said it. the whole point of like creating open shots from last year was like, AD, go run into shit. Okay, that's going to hopefully free up something for somebody, for you, preferably. But if not, it's going to open up something for somebody else. But nobody bore the brunt of like, ah, everybody's going to be in the paint more than Anthony Davis. Now you're going to have him more on the perimeter in open space, attacking guys like Jokic, 
Valanciunas off of the dribble, which is where they're really vulnerable, as opposed to being the rock that has to, you know, bash their way down uh, into the paint. And so I think the offense is more conducive to him having dominance on that end as well. And on the defensive end, like he's pretty great, you know? And so I think oh, that yeah. he, he can be that guy, uh, you know, between between both ends of the floor, especially if he's got skill around him. That Warrior yeah, series was was just to bring it back to that was some of yeah, the best man, defense special. I think I've ever seen anyone play. I he was he, in that Memphis series. He had John Morant taking fifteen foot floaters. Like this is the most you know like Jordan. screw it. I am going to jump as high as I possibly can and dunk on everybody kind of player that the league currently has. And he, even he was like, "Yeah, that sucks in there." Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, no. and you're like, "Hey, AD." Why aren't you giving us 35 also on it? It's like the guy that helps you move your couch. And you're like, he's like, hey, can I get some help moving your couch? And I'm like, stop being so soft. Like, hey, are you going to chip in on rent too? Can you? Yeah. <laughs> Look, man, um, I, I, I will fully acknowledge that what AD is asked to do defensively is inordinate, right? And this year, I think it's going to be even more crazy because this team doesn't have like the perimeter defense that you know can stop some of these line line drive uh, drives and 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 some of that makes me a little nervous as well. Um, but like when you when, like when you look at when you look at like the all time finals or or, or playoff runs or whatever, um, they do tend to have some gaudy offensive stats as well as some of the the stuff that you see defensively. Not to the same extent with AD. But like I don't know, there were there were some of those games that I thought offensively, like AD just like didn't show up, right? And I think the every other game AD thing was always stupid. It was always overblown. But there were certainly games there where like, and and like the Lake, I, I think some of this was health based too. Um, I think AD looks a lot healthier this year. LeBron looks a lot healthier this year than the last time we saw them last year. And I thought that like the Lakers essentially had to follow a very specific script to win their series last year, right? It was steal the first uh, away game, you know, compete in the second one. But at the end of the day, you get your split, you get your split, take care of the two games back at home and, and then, you know, win hopefully in, uh, in, in game six, right? That's what I kept betting in, 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 in uh, all of their, in, in both of the series that they won. Um, that was, you know, their only approach here. And, and I think part of that was because of, some of the inconsistencies that we saw, I'm not saying this is the only reason the, the teams that they were playing were really effing good too, but, but like, I, I do kind of think some of the offensive inconsistencies were something that, that led to having to follow that script. And, and I want to see AD in his, yeah, it's, it's, it's his age 30 year, but he is still very much in his prime. I want to see like an MVP, and he has talked about this. He is welcoming it. I want to see an MVP type season from Anthony Davis this year. That'd be really cool to see. I want to see him kind of accept that challenge and 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 be that guy for the entirety of a season. And I think he's more than capable of it. Like talent-wise, he's he's the most capable of it on this roster. Is that too much to ask or is that or like is that is that like hey, you just move the couch, you you know, can you also get You think get he the... can get some defensive player of the year votes this year? <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. He, I or think, you think he's, they're he, going to give it to Jaron Jackson again. They're like, well, we can't ignore his four rebounds per game. You know, it's just. I think Jaron Jackson's going to get it again, though, because they don't have Steven Adams this year. So, like, he's going to have to be that guy. But re regardless. Did you watch um, Team USA? 
Yeah, I know. I'm not saying it's going to end well. All right, we will uh, we will go ahead and, and wrap this thing up with our with our our, our game here that I tease at the top. Um, what based on this conversation, based on years of knowing me, based on everything that 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 is going into this, what Harrison do you think is going to be the thing that just annoys me way too much and i bug you about all year and how soon do you think i start bugging you about it so i actually wrote down five things uh over the course yeah (laughs) (laughs) these are but these are almost all like free spaces on the bingo board for anyone who listens to anthony and you know some of you could probably guess what some of these are going to be but I, i i already know number one odds on favorite you know is going to be Lakers haven't signed a 15th roster spot yet. Like, you know, Anthony's going to go on some rant. Like when the Lakers are dealing with some, they're going to deal with their first wave of injuries. Like two guys are hurt, whatever, you know, some guys are playing that the two way guys are playing and, you know, Colin Castleton gets some minutes and, you know, Anthony just gets really upset and he's like, you know, guys, I'm just, you know me, I'm just all about process. Like, I don't care <laughs> about Genie Bus's checkbook. I don't care. If I, if I I want an owner to spend money. And why do I care about her luxury tax payments for signing this 15th roster spot, you know, to as a guy to back up insert player that got injured here or whatever and to have them as an emergency option. And I just don't understand. You know, the Clippers would do this. And despite them, like, you know, cutting, like, 11 million in luxury tax payments or whatever it was this year you know Mm -hmm. like i i think the suns would do this and so i don't i just want an owner like that and then the (laughs) next one is going to be um who the lakers signed for their 15th roster spot when they sign Ah, a buyout guy like anthony's gonna get really mad about the person they do eventually sign not only was it too late in the season but it's like how does this guy fit i don't understand how they think this buyout (laughs) guy is going to fit in with the identity of this team that they've cultivated over the year that i have criticized all year but like i just don't like this guy when they as long as it isn't andre drummond Although he makes a lot of sense, but still, like as long as it isn't Andre Drummond and he's given a and he's given a starting spot, then I think I'll be all right. When they sign like Rudy Gay for the fifteenth roster spot, you know you're going to get really upset about it. Um, I, I put down just Cam Reddish, just in general. Um, I think like his, <laughs> at some point um, is just That's going fair. to. And then, and then sort of, you know, uh, like pivoting off of those, uh, those first two, um, you're going to get mad that they don't make a trade quickly enough. It's like, well, we saw what happened last year, guys. You want the um, the most amount of runway that you can possibly have. I don't understand mm-hmm. why they need to wait till this, you know, the February trade deadline, get the trade done in January or, you know, December. I think it's December, right? When more guys become yeah, December, like 15th, 15th mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to get mad about one of the trades that they do make. Uh, you know, once they make the trade too late in the season, these are all things that I am predicting. My doctor is like listening to this right now. It's like, oh, that's why his blood pressure is so high because all of this shit is so predictable. You can track your blood pressure like on your smartwatch over the course of the year based on every time Cam Reddish enters the official date is nearby. Yeah, (laughs) Pete, do you have any guesses? So, I think I think it's going to be with Darwin and lineups is going to be the main one. I think that basically we got. 12 guys, I would argue 11 guys, that have some degree of argument to play, um, with Reddish being the 12th, uh, that Darwin is going to... <laughs> no, man, listen. I, I Darwin's going to give those guys a shot, right? Darwin's going to yeah. give those, those 12 guys a shot to one degree or another. And I think that it's... We're, 
the the anxiety i don't want to say anxiety level because the mood is good in lakerland but the like expectations the revved up ready for the start of the race is very high going into opening night and i think there's going to be some level of growing pains or like figuring out the bench lineups in particular the like last six minutes of the first and third quarters in particular um i think we're closer to where we need to be at the start of the second quarter but I think those groups, there's going to be a certain amount of like figuring out like and, and the wood and Rui combination is just an element of that right there that I think there's part of that that's going to look bad. That's going to be like, are you still staying with this lineup type of thing that we have <laughs> going so back much? To that well, huh? Right. Yeah. Hear me say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Christian wood net rating. You're going to get really. Yeah. Upset oh, about, there you, you know, go. That's like... that really zeroes it in on. <laughs> yeah. On what I'm what I'm talking around there. It's going to be someone in one of those groups has like a really bad net rating because of the group, and Anthony's going to be like really upset. It's just like I'm. I just like numbers, and you know they they tell us it's, things, and they, it's they gonna confirm be, what gonna I'm seeing like with my eyes. Jackson Hayes's net rating is going to be great, and Wood's going to be terrible, and I'm like, why are we still doing? this yeah i could i could yeah. see this coming. yeah it's yes. gonna happen yeah <laughs> um well i it's good to know that that some of this stuff can be read ahead of time and um <laughs> pete you mentioned a point here that i am um f- absolutely fascinated by i didn't want to make it a full segment on here because it's so intangible and it's so based off of the bubbles that we all exist in in social media right but but this is like Lakers fans have very real expectations for oh, this yeah. team, wherever they sit. Right. I think they're a championship contender, not a favorite, but a contender. And um, they are certainly a, one of the favorites, I think to come out of the Western conference and, and we'll see whoever they would face in, in, in the finals. If they, if that does happen, if you know, the nuggets are still damn good as well. And, and the beginning of the season is rife with, tough games like they have a tough oh, yeah. opening to the season and um i am really curious how lakers fans are going to react to you know some of their expectations maybe having gotten away from them in the in the preseason i have probably played a role in that we have pro- all probably played a role in that um but i am really curious how how everybody responds to that first stretch where they lose like 3 out of 5 or that first stretch badly? where <laughs> no yeah, I mean, I, yeah i'm not curious no. at all i i, I yeah know, i know what I that the i know what the response is going to be it's people no. are going to be mad like <laughs> I, well but like i i do kind of wonder um you know cuz one thing that was really kind of interesting this year the lakers got swept in the western conference finals right they they like all things considered didn't really get that close to winning a championship mm-hmm. And yet we are all kind of high-fiving each other over the fact that they brought that core back. And that is really interesting to me. That is not the way that Lakers fans in my lifetime have approached things, right? We haven't typically had that context or, or, or that, that um, understanding of the context where, of course, it makes sense to bring a group back that was one of the best teams in the NBA last year right when they got together. And of course, I want to see what that group looks like right off the bat but i couldn't you picture like bill plashke writing a, a column about like are we oh, sure it was a good idea to bring back a team that got that got swept in the west like that was I, the I thing that the happened last year and a half probably gave most lakers fans also like a greater appreciation the year and a half yes. preceding the run that they made to, to go to the conference finals probably is like 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, conference finals, that's still pretty good. You know, like obviously <laughs> right. we want, you know, it's everybody measures success in banners, but it was a lot more fun than, you know, the previous spring. There's right? also, Pete, th- go ahead. Y- yes, certainly so. But I think the nature of it being thrown together, like the, it was such a wild year in that we were scratching and clawing for almost the entire season, which is not a normal regular season at all. But yeah. I was freaking watching OKC games in November, like scoreboard watching, be like, all right, <laughs> all right they dropped it. You know what I'm saying? Tell me you guys were doing the same thing, right? Yeah. And so yep. it was an insane year. And like one thing that we always the jazz lost... when the jazz like opened their season up, like the way the yeah. was like, no, what the f- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember, Damn it. We're looking, it was similar last year. The schedule was similar last year where we're like, oh, that's a tough game. That's a tough game. That's, oh, yeah. well, at least we got Utah. We're going to win that one. Oh, we got Utah twice. Great. We got a couple wins in here. And then they're like, they start out. Oh, what the fuck? And so it's like, <laughs> so it was just like, and, and then, Lori Markham is Larry Bryant. Bird now. What is going yeah. on? <laughs> and then like Dennis and TB get the same, who were both very helpful to very good on the Lakers, like both get the same injury and are out anyway. So we're scratching and clawing for the whole year. LeBron and AD are taking turns being out. We still don't get them for more than three games at a time. Very courteous of them. Uh, we do have to say in retrospect to like avoid to manage to like stagger out their injuries mostly. Yeah, that's the biggest. That's the biggest part of the turnaround last season that is not talked about that like, well, yeah, that was the stretch where both of the guys were healthy and I'm using quotey fingers, right? Where we're like, oh, LeBron didn't have his legs. Yeah, he had a like foot injury, you know, and yeah, same thing with AD where he had that foot injury. We were like, we're not sure if he's going to be back. You know, there was I remember and wondering Anthony and I did like, a pod reacting to that news. Right. We did. We were like, I mean, they may be out of the playoff race. Like this is, you know, going to right. you know, like I-, I thought the season was done when that news came out. And so you've got both of your stars on bad feet with a group of new guys that you had together for like 20 games. And so the context of bringing the roster back, there's a good argument to be made for like, well, what happens if they have a training camp together? Like basketball is a five-man coordinated activity. Like it helps to know what the other team is going to do. And that's part of why Denver is good is those guys have been playing together for years. Mm -hmm. And so there's some added value with the exact same people. We did change a few, but with the exact same core at the very least coming back and getting those reps. That said, I do think that the first part of this season is that trial run, right? That like, oh, what do you play like when you're not desperately fighting for your life for a playoff spot? Because that whole like scratching and clawing lasted the whole way through. Like, yeah. when did we actually move into the, like, we're actually in the playoff point? I think it was like game 73. I re- remember every time we'd yeah, get to it was freaking late. 500. It was very yeah. Late, yeah. Every time we get to 500, we'd lose the next game. And so that whole, this is, this should be a different type of season. Like, are you rotating on defense like you're Playoff life depends on it. Maybe not. And so we'll see where we're at in February. I, I do think that there's a good argument to be made, Anthony, of of like, hey, this might not have a happy ending. It might not be work out the same way that it did before. But I think we'll know a lot more by the time the by the time February rolls around. Anthony, yeah, I, can I, I just add that Pete's like uh, Pete's talk about the trade deadline, the post trade deadline additions guys and the guys that we were talking about as like meaningful impact contributors, you know, in, in helping with that title chase. They're on your the list of things that you're going to be upset about. Dark horse candidate is there some night in the regular season where uh, Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley both have good nights, Ooh. and you're like. Lakers yes. could have used these guys they, if they, if they would have just been willing to pay more taxes, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Malik, you, you don't think Malik Beasley shooting could help this team right now while Gabe Vincent's in a in a cold stretch? 
or Walker or Walker playing well in like Brooklyn or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about Beasley because there was a report that they're gonna put him on the other team's best perimeter not a player. The coach said that. He's just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm either. expecting him to take the <laughs> toughest better. defensive assignment. It's like, it's like I don't have to worry about feeling bad about Beasley anymore. Um, not that I was all that worried about and that. Even Malik um, Beasley's like, I have to get mentally ready for this. I know that there's going to be a lot of nights that doesn't go well. It's like, oh no. Okay. <laughs> all the nights. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to go well any of the nights. Um, all right, guys. I have had an absolute blast here. I don't want to take up Likewise. too much more of your time. Um, because uh, we are, like I said, on NBA Eve. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in the way that you did. Thank you. And just generally, like the amount of excitement when I when I even tweeted out the clip of us laughing at the Clippers and the number of people like were just like so stoked that the three of us were going to get together. That stuff means quite a bit um, as I reach this advanced age that that I am uh, currently sitting at Uh, that stuff. That stuff warms this old, cold heart. But but thank you, everybody, for for that support. Thank you, Harrison, for hopping on. That is Harrison of SB Nation. Thank you, Pete, for hopping on. That is Pete of LFR and of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I am Anthony Irwin, and this has been the Lakers Lounge. Talk to you soon.